This is a Federal News Network podcast. The General Services Administration received some of the most positive feedback from employees in that latest White House Pulse survey data. When it comes to equity, 75% of GSA respondents agree that employees with different backgrounds are given support they need to succeed. But Deputy Administrator Katie Kale tells Federal News Network's Drew Friedman advancing equity is a never-ending process. There is always work to be done when it comes to DEIA. Part of the work that we're doing, I, I talked about us having more interaction with our affinity groups and our special emphasis groups. During the last uh, year and a half, we've actually started two new groups, our persons with disabilities and our Asian American and Pacific Islander groups. And so we're really, we're getting more input from, from our employees, but also creating a place where everyone can feel connected and engaged. And when it comes to hiring and especially retention, you want to make sure that you're building a culture where everyone can feel like they are engaged, that they're contributing to the mission of the agency, and that their work is valued. In in the way that we were working prior to the uh, pandemic and then during the pandemic, not everybody felt seen. Not everybody felt that the way that we were working benefited them. And so we're seeing a lot of really good um, outcomes from people being able to work in this hybrid way where they feel like they are seen um, in a different way and really are once again being able to build a culture that is that is going to be new and hopefully better for everyone in the way that we fulfill our mission long term. How are you prioritizing the resources employees and tools that go into HR, not just for hiring employees or getting people in the door, but what comes after? Do you have things like mentorship programs, check-ins, and um, how do you help new employees get accustomed? I really think that this is such an exciting time because we're able to, to really, you know, make a leapfrog movement from things that in the past may have taken five years, a decade to push forward. Right now, we're able to make those changes way more quickly. Part of that is because of the technology that we have, especially here at GSA, but also in a in a distributed workforce, in a hybrid workforce, we need to think about things differently. So that includes how we're hiring, you know, making sure that the candidates really understand the roles that we have, the fact that we are, you know, leaning into telework. And so at GSA, we can have people from all over the country working towards our mission to, you know, doing a purely virtual onboarding and making sure that once they are on board, that we're able to connect them to their fellow employees within their departments, but also to infinity groups and special emphasis groups and having the opportunity to meet with people across the country, really face-to-face that they never would have had before if everybody was in the office. When it comes to retention, it is this, you know, how are we keeping our employees engaged? How do they feel like they are able to meet 
the mission of the agency, but also provide feedback and provide ideas. And, you know, we want to make sure people have the ability to advance within their jobs, um, as well as take on new and exciting challenges that may be a little bit um, out of reach. So we have our Emerging Leaders Program, which is a paid two-year program for recent graduates, and they do a rotation through uh, all the different departments. We have a fantastic ELP here right now and in the administrator suite, and always try to take someone from the program um, into our department. We also have plenty of training that will help both um, kind of the soft skills and the hard skills, tangible skills of doing a job here at GSA to be able to continue on, um, on your career path. But the thing is, we still have work to do. We still have work to do. I talk often about how we can take both just the, the best practices of the work that we do within HR, make sure that the DEIA best practices and principles are also baked in to all that we're doing and all the work that we're doing there. Our senior advisor for equity likes to say that DEIA is like a, it's like the eggs in a cake. It's, it has to be baked in. It's not something like frosting where you put it on at the end. Maybe you forget to put it on, or maybe you don't want part of it. So you scrape it off. It's really baked into all that we're doing here at GSA. And that takes practice and that takes, it takes a little bit of time, but we are up to the mission and we're, we're really excited about the places that our, our HR team can go around all of this. I really liked your analogy with having DEI and A baked in, but can you tell me a little bit more specifically, what does that look like in practice? What are you meeting with different experts or how, how does that filter in? First thing we, within this administration, we hired the first senior advisor for equity that GSA has ever had and making sure that she is at the table when policy discussions are happening, when policies and procedures are being developed, because when you want to bring that person in from the start and that way that perspective is going to be heard. Now, that's just one person. She can't do it all on her own. So making sure that we have the right trainings for our, our leaders and the right metrics that they will be held up to moving forward. We want to make sure that this is something that everybody is part of. So whether you are a, um, an ELP or a senior leader, you have trainings and you have opportunities to contribute to the work that we're doing. We have some great cohorts that are thinking through ways that we can really infuse DEIA principles into the way that we work, everything from the way that we, we work and, and communicate interpersonally. So thinking through, you know, having crucial conversations, but also the way that we fulfill our mission to our customer and to the American people. When you think about accessibility, you know, not only making sure that websites are 508 compliant, but going beyond that, making sure that they are very easy to use for everyone. We also started um, a new special emphasis program for persons with disabilities. They came to us and said, hey, we're having a hard time getting ALS interpreters that understand what we're doing and that are 
you know, sometimes on short notice. We worked with them to help figure out the contract that was needed to provide ALS interpreters. And I have to say, I was very, we were very excited. Our last town hall was the first one that had ALS interpreter for the entire town hall, as well as closed captioning. So we need to make sure that we are supporting everyone to make it easy for everyone to contribute, to feel connected and do their job. And in return, we're going to get great employees who are really happy to be doing the work that fulfills the GSA mission. But as I started with, and I will continue to say, there's still work to do. We are not experts on this thing, on all of this, but we're doing our best and we're, we're learning as we go. Katie Kale is Deputy Administrator at the General Services Administration, speaking with Federal News Network's Drew Friedman. Check out Drew's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, I'm WIPA CEO Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration, And over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. She's been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations for leadership, innovation, dedication, and commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here. Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who is the first person you remember looking up to as a leader? And what about them inspired you? You I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most as being somebody that throughout our career has, you know, been at the highest levels and all. But, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old, and uh, I remember I really wanted to play Little League baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy, his name was Delbert Beiser. And uh, I remember he had like red hair and he had a wad of tobacco in his mouth and greasy overhauls and everything. And he said, you know, I'll take her, I'll take her on my team. And, you know, just looking back on that, there's so many leadership lessons and things that I just really admire about him. And actually I thought about throughout my entire career, he took a chance on somebody he didn't know. He um, put aside whatever conscious or unconscious biases that he might have had about having a girl on a team. He treated me the same, uh, whether, you know, if I wasn't performing, I got benched just like the boys. I got no special treatment. And, and, and he was just really honest with me and he just included me in everything. And so looking back on it, you know, really, it was Delbert Beiser, our local mechanic in our little small village that was I think my inspiration for going on to, I hope, become the leader, um, you know, that that I wanted to be. I'd say half of the guests on this podcast have had similar stories where they reach back to either childhood or young adulthood, and I and I think as leaders, it's really incumbent upon us to keep that in mind that that what we say and do, at, especially in the younger ages, really can have a lifelong impact. How would you describe your leadership style and and how's that developed over time? I would say that the one word that describes my leadership style is that I care. Um, 
I guess that's more than one word, but I care. Uh, I, I've always cared about the mission. I've always cared about the people. I've always cared, you know, about making sure that that they had what they needed or that they were developing the way, uh, you know, that they aspired to develop. And I tried to take this approach of not treating people the way I wanted to be treated, but instead treat people the way they wanted, they want to be treated. And I think that that really kind of developed over my career. You know, I started out just like most leaders do where it's very results driven. It's all about the bottom line. You need to make sure that you get everything accomplished because, you know, that's what everybody's looking for, the goals, the metrics, et cetera. But I think as you mature and you go along, you start to, to your point, you draw back on those early childhood days or early adult young, you know, whenever you're a young adult and you say, you know, I think that there's a little bit more to this than just the bottom line. And so over time, I really began to, I, I think, see a much bigger picture and the entire ecosystem, if you will, and how the people themselves fit into all of this. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, it was all about the people. And so, I, you know, I think my, my maturity allowed me to then shift and focus more on the people than, than so much on results and bottom line. You've been recognized with two presidential rank awards two different administrations. You founded your own company. Tell us a little bit more about your background from the beginning and and how did that lead you to where you are today? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, like you said, that I started out as a GS2, a social security administration. I mean, what I really wanted to be was a criminal prosecuting attorney. That's, that was absolutely my dream. I sometimes joke and say what I really wanted to be was a mafia don, but that wasn't going to work out. So, you know, had to be a criminal prosecuting attorney, but, you know, I had to get a job to pay for college. I, you know, it wasn't in the cards that I was going to be able to go to college without a job. So I applied at the social Security Administration, or I'm sorry, at the unemployment office, and lo and behold, I got a job at Social Security. I didn't even know it was federal, to be honest. Uh, from there, I went to the Department of Defense, and I found this, this career field called labor and employee relations. And honestly, it was as close as I was going to get to being a criminal prosecuting attorney. I didn't go on to be a, a criminal prosecuting attorney, but I went on courtesy of the Department of Defense to get both my bachelor's and my master's in leadership, because the whole study of leadership, I just find incredibly fascinating, Um, you know, from historical to current, uh, current times, I just, it's just something that's just really fascinated me. And so I just, I would say I'm a lifelong learner of leadership. And then I would say some of the other things that got me maybe where I am today is I never really said no to anything. If people asked me to take on a new challenge, even if I wasn't sure I was going to be successful at it, I would say, you know what, not sure this is going to work out, but more than happy to give it a try. And it always worked out. But I think giving things a try and just not saying no to opportunities is what really led from one position to the next. I feel like I was always rewarded for just stepping in or stepping up and taking on the challenges that sometimes no one else wanted to do. Angie, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Shane. It's such a pleasure. I I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you. This has been the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm CEO of WEPA, Shane Canfield. Looking forward to talking to you next time.